Hello, you are watching the Lenovo Spreet video series on the theology of the body. This episode is dedicated to Audience 72. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. So we are going to continue where we left off in the last video. And it was discussing the anthropology of St. Paul. In particular, we were talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and this contrast between the earthly body and the resurrected body. Now, JP2 ended audience 71 with talking about um, how we need to look at the systems of power within the human person. And so he's going to elaborate more on that now by drawing again us to this distinction between the two kinds of body. You have the earthly man's body, which is also historical man, that is the man living in the state of original sin. And then you have the man of the resurrection with his resurrected body. And so you have essentially two different kinds of bodies. And these two kinds of bodies means you have in a sense, two systems of powers. That is, two ways that the natural powers of man will interact within his entire and whole constitution. So, for example, with the historical man in his earthly body, First right, Corinthians 15 describes it as something that is weak. And concupiscence has weakness. We're frail, but we have a body that also it's resisting the spirit. It does things we don't want it to do. And in contrast, you have the resurrected body that is full of power. And the earthly body, it's something that has this potentiality that it will rise from the dead. But the resurrected body is the actualization of that potentiality because the body is resurrected now you have the earthly body which is perishable it's going to die at some point at some point your body is just going to wear out and you'll become a worm buffet in contrast with the resurrected body it is something that is imperishable it will not die it won't go away it is yours for eternity and it's the same body but it's transformed so earthly body because it's perishable it's subject to death the resurrected body because it's imperishable it is freed from death through christ and so the earthly body is a natural body but this resurrected body because it's full of power because it's resurrected body because it's imperishable and freed from death it is a spiritual body the earthly body is something we inherited from the first Adam, the father of all of humanity, the first human father, literally speaking. And then you have the spiritual body that is inherited from the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Um, Guillermo, is there anything you'd like to add here? I do not. All right. Um, 
in that case, we'll continue on. Um, just something to throw out there. Um, those of you that are just listening to an audio version of this, we do have a we do have this on YouTube where you can see the slideshow, and we have PDFs of the slideshows on our website. If you go to the media page and go to Theology of the Body, all the PDFs are there. Um, so what JP2 wants to draw our attention to now is this spiritualization of the body, this antithesis of the weakness of the natural body versus the fullness of power in the spiritual body. It refers to man's entire, his whole constitution in his bodiliness, and it's precisely this whole constitution that becomes spiritualized and it is this spiritualization that will become the source of the spiritual body's power and imperishability and so the future resurrection will be both a reintegration of man and the attainment of the fullness of his humanity. And so, this spiritualization, this resurrection with the integration and obtaining the fullness of our humanity, this is not a mere restitution, which is to say a mere returning to the beginning, to man's state before he fell. So, you had this state of man, which we call preternatural, where Adam and Eve enjoyed several benefits that are gifts beyond what is normally naturally endowed, such as knowledge, justice, and a state of grace, which was damaged or thrown away when they sinned by eating the apple, by disobeying God, by listening to the serpent. And so this resurrection, it's not a return to the state that Adam and Eve were in before the fall. Before the fall. Instead, it is a introduction to a new fullness yet seen, because the resurrection has not happened yet. And it won't happen until Christ's second coming. But when it does come in, when there is the resurrection, then you get the fullness of our humanity, which is something remarkable and to look forward to. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything you'd like to add at this point? Yes, insofar as I think there's this uh, misconception I think in a lot of Christian circles that uh, uh, we just forget that our we will resurrect. Yes, we'll go to heaven, but that in and of itself is not the end. That's something that stood out to me as as you were sharing everything, um, as you were sharing just now. That that um, the again, you didn't say this word for word, but that um, the body and the soul are, are in an unnatural state. When they're apart, their end, in a way, their end is to be united, and they will. 
at the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, that that's an important consideration. I don't when we talk about Christianity as a religion, it is a religion of precisely the resurrection. That is the religion. That's what makes it Christianity. St. Paul goes so far to say, without the resurrection, your faith is in vain. Exactly. So that is a great thing to keep in mind. This, When you die, you have this, this split, this separation of body and soul. And we have this kind of incomplete period. Yes, we'll be in heaven. Yes, we'll be of God. And yes, we'll be happy. But... Metaphysically, there's something gravely incomplete until the resurrection, until you get your body back. So, yeah, that's a great point to draw to our attention, Guillermo. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have Thank anything you. else you want to elaborate on that? Um, I think it'd be too much of a tangent. Okay. Thank you, though. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll, we'll continue on then. We'll just, let's see. So, now we want to introduce concupiscence within this idea of spiritualization that we just outlined. So, as we've been saying, the natural body is affected by concupiscence. It is urged towards doing what is evil. And the man that is dominated by concupiscence is condemned to death. The man who lives according to concupiscence is the person who is rejecting God and going to hell. That is why he's condemned to death. It's because he's making a decision to be dominated by that concupiscence and to live in it. And so this kind of sensuality associated with concupiscence, it is the we can say it's the sum of the factors that constitute the limitation of human spirituality. It's a power that that binds the spirit. The senses of the body, they're not harmonized perfectly with our human activity. And we have this kind of hindering of man from three powers. You have this power of seeing and knowing the truth, the power of willing freely, and the power of loving the truth. These are all things that are hindered in various ways through concupiscence. And so, as we struggle to overcome concupiscence and grow closer to God, the more we're going to be able to break free and see more clearly to will more freely and to love more deeply. And in contrast with this, with the natural body that is in this struggle against concupiscence, you have the spiritual body, the resurrected body, that is freed from concupiscence because it is no longer subjected to death. And it is freed of this sensuality. And you get this kind of metaphysical change where the senses become perfectly harmonized and sensitive to authentic human 
activity in truth and freedom. So the con concupiscence attacks us at the senses, it tries to disrupt our human action to not be in tandem or in continuity with truth and freedoms, trying to break these relationships, truth, freedom, goodness, human action, our bodies, our senses. All these need to be interconnected as an integrated whole. And the more we practice that, the more we become free. And it's the spiritual body that is completely free because it is spiritualized. It, that, another way of saying this, it is graced. Right? Are you still there, Gary? Yes, I'm right here. All right. At the edge of your seat, sounds like. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything you'd like to add? I No, no, I, I don't. All right. In that case, we will continue on. So, some concluding remarks. So, the we talk a lot about the body, but the soul is likewise an important element of this spiritualization. Um, the concupiscent man is the man who resists the influence of the Holy Spirit, and he remains, in a sense, with this natural body, whereas the resurrected man remains perpetually under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that is why he is a spiritual man, and that is why he has a spiritual body, is because he has so freed himself to follow God that he has that perfection now of becoming truly spiritual in that deepest sense. And this concludes JP2's analysis of the anthropology of the resurrection. The rest of this chapter of the theology of the body, we are still in chapter three of the first part. It is dedicated to the topic of continence for the sake of the kingdom of God. And now take us through audiences 73 through 85, audience 86, I believe that is the conclusion, and I'm going to double check, that is indeed the last audience of part one. So we are getting close to finishing part one. Part one is by far the longest half, part two is going to be shorter. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything you'd like to say at this point? Yeah, I don't know if I'd be splitting hairs. I, I, I think at some level I will, because when we're talking about the soul experiencing spiritualization and the resurrect, the, the, the man, the resurrected man is free from concupiscence. So where I think I'd be splitting hairs is that by saying that it'd be beyond man being free from physiological desires that um, if we cave in, if we, if we cave into them, 
then we're caving into concupiscence, but rather we'd also be freed from interior, I don't know if it's the right way to put it, emotions such as pride and hate. Like we'd be free from those kinds of distorted desires in the heart rather than only physiologically speaking. Would you say that that's kind of splitting hairs or? No, I think that's an important point to add on. Okay. Because we, you do need to talk about just the spiritualization of man. It's affecting the whole person. So we're talking body, soul, man as a person in his deepest subjectivity. And so the senses are perfectly harmonized with that. So you, the desires that you'll have in heaven as, with your resurrected body will be perfectly harmonized with seeing God face to face in the beatific vision, which is a radical thing to think about. And then the our emotional life is going to be perfectly spiritualized and harmonized as well. Harmonized with the divine love. Okay. The, re the reason why I was hesitant about saying all this was because, at least phrasing it that way, is because it almost seems like I was making too much of a distinction as if our emotions and our distorted desires of being prideful like if that's apart from the body but but it isn't it's all inherently a part of our um ourselves yeah. the emotional as well as physiological and not exclusively emotional but there's there's just no other word i can think of that that i can use to describe our interior disposi dispositions that can prompt us to do evil yeah, I mean, there's a wide variety of various psychological and spiritual okay. things right. there. Right, okay. And at these various levels, like if we're talking like moods, instincts, drives. Oh, okay. Or the emotions or different kinds of emotions because you have some deeper emotions versus others that are not deep emotions. There's a wide variety, but you take the entire strata of the human person, his interior world and his exterior world. It is altogether something that's going to be spiritualized and harmonized with the beatific vision, with living in the communion of persons. Awesome. And those were just my only thoughts. Um, no, those are great thoughts to share. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. All right. With that, we will conclude this episode. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider checking out our website at lenovillespirit.com where we have several wonderful articles on Vatican II theology and aesthetics and many other topics. We have a wide plethora of articles. Um, please also consider financially supporting us on Patreon. Um, it's at patreon.com slash just as one word. No spaces or hyphens or anything. Um, we also have this 
on this podcast on YouTube, um, Buzzsprout, um, where else, Guillermo? I don't remember them all. Just uh, some social media platforms. I include Facebook and Twitter. Oh yeah, we, we're on those things. Um, I think we're we're on, we're on Apple Podcasts and a few right. other podcast yes. distributions. Um, you can find all that information at com slash subscribe. <laughs> we also have several books we have been throwing into publish. Um, currently, we have six published, and we're hoping to have at least three more by the end of the month. That is this May. Um, you can check out our entire book category log at com slash lne hyphen books um is there anything else we i forgot to mention guillermo i would just like to um invite our listeners and our viewers to check out our other podcast series where we talk about all sorts of other topics including trends in culture pop culture and politics and we address them from a Catholic personalist perspective. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Guillermo. Mm -hmm. We do have that other series. And I guess with that, um, please pray for us and our mission. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone.